The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. The United States has been a beacon of religious freedom and tolerance with biblical principles often forming the basis of the laws and the statutes of the country. You know, many Americans are waking up to the fact that this foundation is under attack from atheists and others who would have biblical values removed from our society and laws. In Britain, Canada, Australia and New Zealand, the same anti-God sentiment is evident. As an Australian living in England, I've talked to many people who believe that God exists, but they do not believe he is relevant in today's world. Why is this happening? Well, the answer is going to become clear as we understand that faith in God is not what it was in days gone by. Many today are not really sure if God exists. They've never really proved it to be true. They want to believe that he is real, but have not taken the time to prove it. I can tell you now, you can prove it. Maybe you're asking yourself right now, have I really proved that God exists? Well, I want to help you today to do just that. That is, prove it for yourself. And in doing so, you are not going to just help yourself, but your family as well. Many college students leave home each year to go off to a new school year, only to find that their belief in God is challenged by those around them. College professors and fellow students cynically assault their beliefs, and they may soon surrender to a way of thinking that is devoid of absolute values and belief in God and the Bible. Soon they're confused, their religious beliefs crumble into dust, and on their first visit home, their parents are shocked by what they're hearing. Can we rebuild the nation's belief in God? Stay with us today to hear how you can shockproof your belief in God. Stay tuned. A warm welcome to our Tomorrow's World viewers. Millions of people go to church each Sunday, and for many it is a time of fellowship and belonging to a community. It's a time for families to sit together and worship. It's a time to sing hymns and hear the pastor's message. Some enjoy being in the church choir or being a part of a good works program aimed at helping the poor and the needy. But for some, church can become more of a social place where God is not real to them but they go to church hoping to find God. May I make something very plain and clear? Unless you have a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God that is really meaningful, it can be difficult to build a Christian life. To do so would be like the man that Jesus spoke of when he talked about the man who built a house upon the sand. The floods came, the winds blew, and it fell. But the person who builds his Christian house upon the rock, that is Jesus Christ, is one who knows and is sure that God exists. He prays to the real God and expects answers. Let me share a personal story with you. Throughout my childhood and teen years, I believed in the existence of God. All seemed fine till I began counseling with my minister for baptism. He asked me, are you sure that God exists? 
I said, yeah, I'm sure. And then he asked, but have you proved it? I was speechless because I hadn't done so. I had simply taken my parents' word for it. But then they told me that Santa Claus was real. And I found out that that wasn't true. Could they have been wrong also about God? I needed to do something about it. And so I began a deep study of the subject and was helped by reading the seven proofs that I'm going to give you here today. Are you absolutely certain that there is a real God in heaven who intervenes in world affairs and guides you in your personal life? If you'd like to be more certain, we have a booklet to give to you. It's titled, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. It's free, and we will send it to you without any follow-up. We will not ask for money or give your name and address to a third party. Just call the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org to request your copy. I've said that I will give you seven proofs that God exists. So let's start with number one. Proof number one is creation demands a creator. Have you ever wondered how everything that is around you came into existence? The, the mountains, the, the oceans, and the whole atmosphere that blankets the earth. How did they get here? Well, evolutionists will tell you that all of these things came from nothing. They would have us believe that over billions of years, things just happened in a totally random way. Without any intelligence involved, they say, atoms and molecules just appeared from nowhere and came together into matter. This is simply not sustainable as a theory. The universe's existence demands a beginning. Now, some physicists do believe in a beginning. They call it the Big Bang. Well, whatever name we give it, we can be certain that there was a time when the universe as we know it did not exist. Then there was a beginning of matter and order in the universe. The Bible claims to be the word of God and claims in its opening statement in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the whole thing. The earth, the universe, the stars, the galaxies, the cosmos, it's everything. And it's a statement that leaves us in no doubt. God made everything. Consider the incredible galaxies, the solar systems, the planets, the moons, Consider the fact that each body is held in place by the law of gravity as they hurtle through the space and time. We can know that there was a beginning because of radioactivity. Let me explain. Radioactive elements such as carbon-14 and uranium-235 are in a constant state of decay. Now, this decay is measured by the term half-life. Measuring this elapsed time tells us that there was a time when these elements came into existence. They had a beginning, and they're now slowly decaying. But who created them? Once again, the Bible helps us understand, and so we're going to read Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to read in verse 28. Notice what it says here. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Simply stated, 
something cannot come from nothing. God is the first cause of everything. The word creation means that there must be a creator. The book of Revelation speaks of God in this way in chapter 4 and verse 11. Let's turn, if we will, to Revelation chapter 4, right at the end of your Bible. And if you notice here in verse 11, it says, For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. If you would like to have the seven proofs that I'm giving you here today in written form, phone the number on the screen and ask for The Real God Proofs and Promises. It's free of charge and your name and address will remain confidential. We will not ask for money or give your name and address to a third party. What is the second proof that God exists? Are you ready? Proof number two is life demands a life giver. Are you a parent or maybe even a grandparent as well? How do you feel when you have the family together and in a moment of reflection, You're sitting there and you're watching them and you're listening to them laughing and talking and you quietly contemplate to yourself, did these all come from me? For a moment you're overwhelmed by the differences and also the similarities in personality and family traits. And just for a moment, you have an idea of how God feels about his children. He is the life giver and he wants to bring all of his children into his family. Which person has ever willed him or herself into existence and then given themselves life? Of course, the answer is no one. Or which person has ever been able to assemble all of the amino acids into proteins and then bring fats and carbohydrates to create a human being and then breathe life into the person? Well, for all of the talk and hypothesizing, it has not been done and is not possible. Ah, but you may ask, what about cloning? I've heard about this cloning. Isn't that giving life to something? Yes, animals have been cloned. And at some time, someone will probably clone a human being. But that's not giving life. It's merely taking the genetic material from an existing animal cell, the nucleus of that cell, and then inserting it into the egg of a female animal from which the nucleus has been removed. Using chemicals or electricity, the egg is stimulated into cell division and then inserted into the womb of a surrogate mother. After gestation, the mother gives birth to a copy of the original animal. Hannah, the mother of the Old Testament patriarch Samuel, prayed to God, and this is what she said, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. You'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 6. A person can kill another human being, but he or she cannot make alive or bring up from the grave. God alone is life giver, sustainer, and resurrector. Science has coined a word to describe the miracle of life being replicated. The word is biogenesis. One dictionary defines it this way. It is the principle that living organisms develop only from other living organisms and not from non-living matter. Thankfully, God will not allow humans to play God. 
Before we go to our third proof of God's existence, allow me once again to offer you our free booklet, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. It's free of charge and your name and address will remain confidential. We will not ask for money or give your name and address to a third party. Just call the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org to request your copy. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to Tomorrow's World. We've been discussing the proof of God's existence. To help you, we are presenting seven proofs that God exists. The first two we have considered are creation demands a creator, and secondly, life demands a life giver. What's number three? Proof number three is laws demand a law giver. We're surrounded by laws of nature. Think about it. The law of friction means... We do not slip and fall. This law allows the tires in our car to keep a grip on the road unless we hit an icy patch, and then we lose control. Sir Isaac Newton was a brilliant English scientist who was responsible for discovering many of the basic laws of physics. His three laws of motion are fundamental to the way we understand the movement of objects. His first law states that an object will continue in its motion unless acted upon by an external force. Think of a car driving along at a steady speed of 60 miles an hour. Unless the driver applies the brakes or accelerates, the car will remain at a constant speed in the same direction. His second law of motion defines the law of gravity. In fact, if you think about it, we just know that gravity works. You knew as soon as I let that go that it would fall to the podium here. Well, the rather fictitious story goes that an apple fell on Sir Isaac Newton's head, and after deep thought, he formulated the law of gravity. His third law states, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I'm sure most of us have seen this desktop toy known as Newton's cradle. It displays Sir Isaac Newton's third law very well. Every time a rocket takes off from Cape Canaveral, the engineers rely on the laws that the great lawgiver, God Almighty, set in motion. The thrust of the rocket must overcome gravity, but once the astronauts have escaped its effect and the space shuttle is in orbit around the Earth, they become weightless. Even outside of the Earth's atmosphere, the laws of God are in force. We know that God not only created the laws of physics, but also gave us spiritual laws for our protection and happiness. 
Think for a moment, you shall not commit adultery is a powerful protector of marriages and families. The Ten Commandments have been ridiculed and scoffed at, but those who break them and their families will be broken by the heartache and the sorrow that often follows. The next proof of God's existence is equally convincing. What is it? Proof number four is design demands a designer. Let us start with the scripture. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon writes in chapter 3 and in verse 19, it says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. God not only created the earth, but he did so with an incredible amount of interdependence between the various parts of the creation. Let's take day five of the creation week as an example. Here in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded, according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Imagine the impeccable timing of putting huge whales just in the right place to be able to feed on the tons and tons of plankton that God made for them on the first day of their existence. The ocean currents were set in motion to carry millions of fish from the cold Antarctic waters up along the African coast to provide food for larger predator fish. The whole world was designed by the master designer in such a way that carbon and oxygen are balanced in what is called the carbon cycle. You can know that there is an awesome God who is intimately involved in what is going on here on earth. He's interested in you and me, and is not an impersonal God who's gone off and left humans to themselves. You can get to know the great God better and approach him with deep love and respect. So phone now for your free copy of The Real God, Proofs and Promises. We will give you the telephone number on the screen. So far, we have been given four of the seven proofs that God exists. Now let us examine the fifth. Proof number five is... Fulfilled prophetic promises. Only the great God can tell us what the future holds. Satan is able to understand certain future events, but he's also a liar. And his prognosticators and his soothsayers and his prophets will mix truth with lies. But the Bible cannot lie. And so what God promises will and has at times already come to pass. God is certain. God is sure God is bold when he says in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, this is God speaking to us. You know, he's speaking to the doubters and the scoffers and the skeptics. And he says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. That's right, God has already fulfilled some of his prophecies and there are many yet to be fulfilled, including the greatest yet to come. That will be the return of Jesus Christ to establish God's government on earth. That day will usher in a wonderful tomorrow's world, which we are commissioned to proclaim on this program. Would you like to hear a fulfilled prophecy in the Bible? 
The prophet Isaiah lived at the time of the great kings of Judah, such as Hezekiah, around 740 BC. In chapter 44 and verse 28, he prophesied the name of a future king of Persia. We read, Who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, You shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. In the year 559 BC, King Cyrus came to the throne and was the man who fulfilled this prophecy. It's amazing, but in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 2, we'll notice this. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. The prophecy was made nearly 200 years before Cyrus became king of Persia. The prophecies in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ are too many to enunciate, but there are many surrounding his death and resurrection that show that God the Father was involved in every moment of Jesus' suffering, death and resurrection. Here is just one. We're going to turn to Psalm 22, Psalm 22 and verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice now in verses 16 to 18. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Can you remember these things happening to Jesus Christ at his crucifixion? If you watch tomorrow's world regularly, you'll be aware of the many prophecies that we explain that are being fulfilled right now in your lifetime. If you've not already received the booklet, the real God proofs and promises, then phone right now for your free copy. So far, I have given you five important proofs that God exists. Now we get personal. Some would think that personal experiences do not count for proving God's existence, but that's not so. What you experience in life is real and just as profound as understanding the laws of nature. So proof number six is answered prayer. When you pray to God and he answers your prayers, you know that he exists and that he is very concerned for you. Have you had a prayer or several of your prayers answered? If you had your prayers answered in some way, that is more convincing than all the proofs that I have given so far. Maybe you know someone else who has had their prayers answered, which has been convincing for you. God tells us that there are some preconditions for having our prayers answered, such as what we read in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Jesus Christ told his disciples in Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 7 and 8, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Sometimes we need to ask more than once and also ask God according to his will. God will not answer a prayer that is not in accordance with his will. We probably all know people who have had their personal prayers answered, but maybe we think that we have not. Not all prayers will be answered the way we want them to be answered, but they will be answered. 
even if the answer is no. Put God to the test and pray to him. He cannot answer a prayer that has not been prayed. Humble yourself before God and he will guide you and direct your life. Simply request your free copy of The Real God, Proofs and Promises, and we will get it to you just as soon as we can. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. We've now come to the last part of our program. So far, we have considered six proofs that God exists. Let us review them before I give you the last and most convincing proof of God's existence. Proof number one is creation demands a creator. Proof number two is life demands a life giver. Proof number three is laws demand a lawgiver. Proof number four is design demands a designer. Proof number five is fulfilled prophetic promises. Proof number six is answered prayer. And the seventh is a way of life that works. The real proof of God's existence is to be found in the day-to-day events in your life. Think for a moment. What would your life be like if God was not involved? Maybe you can compare your life with someone you know who's had a similar life to Frank Sinatra who's saying, I did it my way. Think for a moment of the blessings and the successes that God has given you throughout your life. Yes, you'll also be able to think of some things that you've done wrong and mistakes that you've made. But acknowledging the blessings you have will put your mind where you can be thankful to God. Putting our lives in God's hands means that what happens has purpose and meaning. He's our loving Father. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Take the time to request your free booklet, The Real God, Proofs and Promises, and be sure to join us again next week on Tomorrow's World with Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and myself as we bring you the good news of Tomorrow's World. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown.
To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.